next piece we're going to be singing hark the herald angels sing the words are also in your hymnal it's on uh, page 122 and we're going to be singing verses 1 to 3 
Our next song will be the first Noel. That is in number 118 in your hymnal, and we're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. for singing along.
We're going to be singing together Joy to the World for opening our worship, as if we haven't already been enjoying our worship time together. Amen? So um, I'd like to invite everyone to stand as we sing Joy to the World. It's number 125 in your hymnal if you want the words there. Happy Sabbath, everyone. After all this marvelous music, we need to descend to the land of speech. But it is for the purpose of expressing a welcome to each of you. To visitors from out of town, to guests from the community, and to our church family. Welcome to this celebration of Christmas. Our worship today is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, that history-changing event when God became one of us in order that our broken world might be restored to its created order. You have already noticed that our worship service today will be very different from the usual worship service. 
We want to express our gratitude to all the participants who have given of their time, their talent, and their practices to deepen our worship experience today. And we trust you came to this worship well fed up <laughs> with a marvelous brunch provided by the ladies and some of the men in our church family. Thank you so much to each of you. What a Sabbath day to be without a pastor. Many of you know that our pastor recently underwent surgery. And one cannot always hasten the recovery period. And so today our pastor is not with us. But we want to send him our love and our best wishes. Joelle is here. I don't know how she will be able to carry the weight of our greetings to her husband. But I know you will try, and thank you so much. And Jason, if you happen to be uh, listening online, if you are awake at this moment and listening to the live stream, please know that you are loved and prayed for, and we look forward to a very speedy return. Please note that your tithes and offerings today may be presented to the deacons at the door when you exit the worship service. Our church maintains a benevolent fund which is used to help people who have financial emergencies. And today, the offering that is undesignated will be devoted to the benevolent fund. You can use a tithe and offering envelope that is in the pew rack uh, just in front of you to indicate uh, if you want your offerings to go to other purposes. You may also designate tithe, which is used for a special purpose. But all of your contributions and your generosity will be received as you exit the sanctuary at the close of the service. Now, before engaging in our worship focus for today, I wish to report on a project that we've had in this church for the last few weeks. It's the 100 Blanket Project. The project exceeded its goal by at least 30 blankets, and I think there are more, plus many, many socks that continue to come. Many of these blankets and socks were distributed through the food bank program last Wednesday, which served 1,000 clients. Here is a picture. Here is a picture of the blankets crammed into shelving at the food bank. And I wish to briefly relate one incident that occurred in connection with the 100 Blankets project. Two elderly ladies usually come together on Wednesday mornings to receive food. These two came again last Wednesday. But in conversation with them, Ray learned that the husband of one of them 
had died just a few days earlier. The sadness and sorrow at the loss was unmistakable on her countenance. In trying to demonstrate both sympathy and empathy, Ray asked the lady if she would like a blanket. She agreed. And Ray asked, do you have a favorite color? And she replied, my husband liked green. And so Ray went back into the room, not knowing what was on the shelf in terms of color, and found a green blanket. There it is. And she took it to that lady, who received it very graciously and gratefully. And so thank you to all of you who provided blankets, and particularly to the person who bought the green blanket, because that green blanket is giving two kinds of warmth, physical and emotional. And I suspect that is true of all the other blankets too. Thank you very much, church family. Now I invite you to join me in prayer with bowed head. Our gracious Father, in the busyness and distractions of life, we need moments such as these that call us to a renewed realization of who you are and who we are and how we can know peace, joy, and security while facing the unknown. When we come to the house of worship, we are most aware of being in your presence. We invite you now, not just into our space, but into our hearts and minds. Reveal yourself to us today so that we might know peace amid our stress, that we might gain true perspectives in our confusing world, and that we might know eternal priorities in the busyness that engulfs us. Guide us both in thought and action to be your hands, your feet, and your heart to serve others in love. We gather here in need of healing, physical, intellectual, ethical, and moral. Please touch our broken lives with your renewing power. Thank you for Jesus coming into our collective and personal world with a light that dispels all manner of darkness. Receive our praise and thanks, which we express in these varied ways of worship this morning. We offer not only our words, but ourselves as instruments of your grace to each other, to our community, and to the world. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our theme this morning for the worship is the timeless gifts of Christmas. I was rooting through a junk box the other day and found a Christmas gift of 25 years ago. It was my first GPS. 
We have them in different forms today. This was a timely gift because I did a lot of traveling. Unfortunately, it was not a timeless gift. For the manufacturer stopped supporting this in 2008. And so it performs the function of gravity <laughs> in my junk box. A timely gift, but not a timeless gift. There are some things about the Christmas story that are unique and timeless. They will never get replaced, never go out of date, and never need to be upgraded or recharged. For our spoken meditation this morning, I wish to identify three unique things about Christianity of which the Christmas story is a crucial part, and four timeless realities that are at the foundation of spiritual experience. Now, that's a total of seven things, and I have about seven minutes. I can only show these as bullet points, although it would be well to spend considerable time exploring the implications of each. How is Christianity unique among the world religions. In other religions, men and women strive to reach up to their God. Christianity is the only religion where God reaches down to humanity. In fact, takes on humanity. Jesus is a person in history. He came into our world at a particular time and a particular place and lived in a particular culture. The majesty of the universe entered our space, not with dazzling displays of power, superiority, or intellectual might. He simply became one of us. We are a visited planet. You think of all the alien space movies today. Yeah, we're part of that. This is a visited planet. An alien came to be one of us. Secondly, Christianity is the only religion with an empty grave. Jesus is the only one who conquered death. Buddha... Muhammad, Confucius, Krishna did not rise from the dead. Our God is present, alive, available, and active in our behalf. Thirdly, in Christianity, salvation is received as a gift. It's not achieved by rigid discipline or flawless performance of rules. To put it simply, salvation is received, not achieved. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Ephesus, said, for by grace, I'm getting ahead of myself, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. You will note from the program guide this morning that there are three sections in our worship. A remembrance of Christmas past, this relatively unknown but explosive arrival of divinity in human form. Secondly, a realization of Christmas present and its relevance in our troubled world. And thirdly, a review of Christmas future. Our assurance of a completed restoration from the destructive presence of sin. In doing this, we recognize the timelessness of the Christmas story and its central place in the story of our earth and human existence. So here are four timeless gifts of Christmas. Number one, God is with us. In the baby Jesus, God has come not for a weekend visit, not just for a fleeting holiday at Christmas. He came not as a spectator, but as a participant to be with us for all time, for all seasons. He came not just to see us, but to be us. The writer of 1 John says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, God might have adopted some other plan to rescue the world from ruin. He might have sent a messenger. He could have written his communications in the sky. He could have sent a text message. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But he came himself. Having human nature means Jesus understands our situation. When Jesus came to earth, he did not come to luxury and opulence and power. In his life, he knew poverty, rejection, betrayal, loneliness, hunger, homelessness, hatred, ill treatment, malice, the pain of unanswered prayer, and finally death as a criminal. He has infinite power to comfort because he knows our most trying moments. We said, first of all, God is with us. Secondly, God is for us. The manger story is that God came for us, not against us. True, God will exercise a full and final judgment upon sin, but his coming to earth was to save, not destroy. Jesus himself said, I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's too easy to adore the baby Jesus and to overlook the man Jesus and his mission to save mankind and restore the image of God in man. The incarnation, the coming of God in Jesus Christ, is the pivot point in history. Thirdly, God is within us. 
God's plan for the redemption of fallen humanity does not come through external agency. God does not provide a prescription drug that needs to be ingested or a salve to be applied regularly to the features of the body. God has not required of us some some regimen of physical exercise as the remediation for the corrosive effects of sin. He does not thrust before us a set of rules by which, to way, by which to work our way out of a dilemma. He does not intend that a changed environment will result in human transformation. Instead, he offers himself to us through his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes to the Colossian church about the mystery that is Christ in you. The God who is with us and for us is anxious to take up residence in us and work transformation from the inside out. Jesus is recorded by John the Revelator as saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And we'll dine with him and he with me. And the fourth timeless truth that I want to share with you this morning is that God is rescuing us. The timeless message here is that God is not a mere spectator of what is going on in the world. He is the protagonist, the leading character in a universal drama. Again, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossians says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, uh, novel, The Lord of the Rings, is one of the best-selling books ever written. Over 150 million copies sold. It is a fantasy novel about the struggle between freedom and captivity to the malevolent beings in our world. There's a moment in the story, in the book, The Lord of the Rings, there's a moment when Sam, a principal actor, makes an amazing discovery that his friend Gandalf, the wizard, is no longer dead that the brooding darkness has been overcome. And in Sam's words, all that is sad becomes untrue. Now, have you ever had a nightmare? You know, one of those terrible nightmares. Maybe you ate too late at night or ate the wrong kind of food and it agitates the mind. And you are caught up in this This horrific nightmare where someone loved by you, dearly loved, maybe your spouse if you were married, is in mortal danger and you can do nothing about it. Have you had such a nightmare? I see some have these kinds of things. Have you ever noticed that just at the climatic moment, the worst moment, You wake up, 
and you hear the deeply rhythmic breathing of your spouse beside you in the bed, sleeping soundly. And all that is sad becomes untrue. Now, I'm not suggesting that cancer, tragedy, poverty, illness, alienation, and death are just nightmares. What I want us to know, however, is that what we experience here is only one chapter of a story where God is the principal actor. The realization that Jesus is in charge of the ending gives us freedom to experience the present without fear. Yes, the path of our lives is often far different from the scripting we would choose for ourselves, but we live in between a beginning and an ending that is in his hands. And while we are in this in-between, we can know the security of walking hand in hand with he who holds the future. Again, the writer of Revelation gives us the assurance God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So these are the timeless gifts of Christmas. God is with us. God is for us. God is within us. And God is rescuing us. If you pause to think about these gifts, your heart and mind will respond with a torrent of praise and gratitude. And perhaps that will enable you to understand all the Christmas carols that we sing every year. It's an outpouring of praise and gratitude from the poets and the musicians. And may you too be blessed today. The poem is supposed to appear on the screen. If it does, I want to apologize for some words being different. Um, a writer never quits looking for better ways to say what needs to be said, and I saw some better ways this morning. So a few words were going to be a little bit different than what's up there, if, if it appears. <laughs> All right, I'm seeing a shaking head back there, so you're just going to have to listen carefully because some of this stuff is a little uh, oblique. <clears throat> In the quiet night comes salvation's morn. His mother cries out as her babe is born. The animals shuffle, snuffle, and snort. The first chink chipped from the enemy's fort. The babe is all of love's deep plan. 
he slips our guard, becomes a man. Now see and hear his story told, a story that will never grow old. We're going to sing a new congregational song. Um, I don't think any of us have sung it before together. The choir is going to sing it all the way through the first time, through the ending. And then we're going to come back to the beginning and everybody will sing. Do we have words for that? Aha, uh -huh, we do. Okay. All right, choir, you have your music ready? Let's sing this from the top all the way through the ending. And then we'll go back and let everyone join us. Come hear the angels singing. Come see the stars light dreaming. Come live the life they're bringing here in this silent night. Into this night, shining their light. Into our hearts, they're singing. Into our dark, they brought a spark. Warm to our hearts, they're bringing. Come now and hear your hearts down. Come now, his love's all around. Come now and give him your crown. Here in this silent night, yes, here in this silent night. All right, from the beginning, everybody all together, let's sing. Come hear the angels singing. Come see the stars light gleaming. Come feel the love they're bringing here in this silent night. Into this night, shining their light, into our heart they're singing. Into our dark, they brought a spark, warm to our hearts they're bringing. Come see the baby sleeping, come hitch the mother keeping, come find the peace you're seeking, here in this silent night, into this night, shining their light, into our hearts they're singing, into our dark, they brought a spark, warmth to our hearts they're bringing. Come see the wise men kneeling, come see the gifts they're bringing, Come learn the joy of giving here in this silent night. Into this night, shining their light. Into our heart, they're singing. Into our dark, they brought a spark. Warm to our hearts, they're bringing. Come now and bring your heart down. Come now, his love's all around. Come now and give him your crown here in this silent night. Yes, here in this silent night.
It is so good to see the church full. Are you guys enjoying this program? Thank you to all the, that made this program possible. together singing Silent Night.
At that time, Augustus Caesar sent an order to all people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that they must list their names in a register. This was the first registration taken while Canarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. This town was known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. Mary was now pregnant. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to save have the baby. She gave birth to her first son. There were no rooms left in the inn, so she wrapped the baby with cloths and laid him in a box where animals are fed. That night, some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them, and suddenly they became very frightened. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, because I am bringing you some good news. It will be a joy to all the people. Today, your Savior was born in David's town. He is Christ, the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a feeding box. Then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel. All angels were praising God, saying, Give glory to God in heaven, and on earth let there be peace to the people who please God. Then the angels left the shepherds and went back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. We will see this thing the Lord has told us about. So the shepherds went quickly and found Mary and Joseph, and the shepherds saw the baby lying in a feeding box. Then they told what the angels said about the child. Everyone was amazed when they heard what the shepherds said to them. Mary hid these things in her heart. She continued to think about them. Then the shepherds went back to their sheep, praising God and thanking him for everything that they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. After Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Then Herod had a secret meeting with the wise men from the east. He learned from them the exact time they first saw the star. Then Herod sent the wise men to Bethlehem. He said to them, Go and look carefully to find the child. When you find him, come tell me. Then I can go and worship him too. The wise men heard the king and then left. They saw the same star they had seen in the east. It went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They went to the house where the child was and saw him with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped the child. They opened the gifts they brought him, 
They gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to sing together again, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. The words should be on your screen.
In a silent night, those angels went and told us about the child God sent. So now we gaily shout and sing, express our joy as wild bells ring. He came to us as God's great gift. And now each year our spirits lift as we give thanks for what God gave, the only gift that could us save.
God, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. <laughs> God, I prayed, how can we make our Christmas celebration a real blessing? And what about gifts? Every year my husband and I hosted 20 or more people on Christmas Day, extended family, friends, neighbors, anyone who expected they might be alone. Dinner was easy enough. A planned potluck. Each family brought one or two, you know, lots and lots of one or two dishes. But gifts. We'd tried sharing presents with family, but others felt like they were intruding. Should we skip gifts? No, my husband could not imagine a Christmas Day celebration without gifts. Should we draw names? Difficult when you invite last minute guests. Just bring a gift and everyone gets one? Very impersonal. Besides, who needs another knickknack to dust? After praying, a local homeless shelter came to mind. We knew a family whose addictions had torn their life apart. They were living under a bridge, desperate for help. They and their children moved into this Christian facility. With support and encouragement, they kicked their addictions and got their lives back on track, including a growing friendship with God. Eventually, they started college and transitioned into their own apartment. Now the wife holds a responsible job, and her husband is finishing his degree. The wife enthused, we have been alcohol and drug-free for six years. My husband and I visited that facility and asked about needs. Then we made a gifting plan. Part of our Christmas invitation read, bring a wrapped gift that someone who has been homeless could appreciate. We will have fun unwrapping gifts. Then we'll leave all the items to be taken later to the local homeless shelter. We included a list of gift ideas suggested by facility personnel. How would gifts, our guests respond? Some family from far away heard about what we were doing and mailed gifts. A newlywed couple chose not to give each other gifts that Christmas, but instead joyously went shopping together for items that filled two huge boxes. As various gifts, guests arrived that Christmas day, they carried festively wrapped gifts, some little, some large. Some brought a single gift, others brought multiple. The pile of gifts spilled out from under the tree. After dinner, we gathered around. The children passed out packages, making sure everyone had a gift. The sound of wrapping paper ripping, of screeches and squeals, created happy bedlam. Then we went around the group sharing the gifts that we had unwrapped. Exclamations flowed. Look at that. Wow, what a neat idea. There were gloves, stocking hats and socks, toiletries, soap, toothbrushes, toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant, razors, shaving cream, nail clippers. 
kitchen items for those transitioning into their own housing, dishcloths and dish towels, measuring cups and spoons, mixing bowls and baking dishes, a cutting board, and a set of flatware. For children, marbles, balls, coloring books and crayons, activity books and colored pencils. There were warm sweatsuits, note cards and stamps, books and blankets, towels and washcloths, toilet paper, gift cards for a local store, gift cards for haircuts. Excited children's voices echoed off the walls. Happy chatter filled the room about luxuries we take for granted, about necessities some go without, about the joy of sharing. Then the bride who'd skipped gifts in her own home exclaimed, this was so great, can we do it again next year? Yes, an excited chorus rang from different parts of the room, good idea. A father glanced around the room at his young boys. And what a special way for children to learn how fun it is to give. A middle-aged woman chimed in, fun for everyone, the young and, and the not so young. Besides, we're really blessing someone. Another said, this is what Christmas ought to be. And it was super. One young lady didn't want the original question to get lost in the delight. Can we, she asked, and then raising her excited voice above the banter, can we do it next year? The room quieted. I glanced at my husband. He grinned and nodded. Yes, I said, I think we just started a Christmas tradition to treasure. A few days later, I carried box after box into the facility. The receptionist looked in several. Astonished, happy tears filled her eyes. Nine years later, the tradition is fully rooted and fully enjoyed. The newlyweds from their first year now take their sons shopping to buy gifts for other children. The mom says, it's a wonderful way to kid, help kids learn to care about others. Teens get into the spirit of giving. They love that we're making a difference in some real people's lives in our own community. And adults are delighted to help people previously without hope, overcome addictions, and gain the skills to enjoy a productive life. We treasure the tradition. It's a win-win and a whole bunch of fun.
all is calm and all is bright everywhere but in your heart tonight they're singing carols of joy and peace but you feel too far gone and too far out of reach somewhere in your silent night heaven hears the song your broken heart has cried hope is here just lift your head for love has come to find you somewhere in your silent night. From heaven's height to manger low, there is no distance the Prince of Peace won't go.
invite you to sing again. Today we're going to be singing um, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. was long ago and far away. The end of death was planned that day when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit poured out their love to keep us in it. So someday, maybe soon we hope, we'll reach the end of this tired rope, this place of sorrow, sin, and strife, and rejoice with him in forever life.
They journeyed far, a weary pair. They sought for shelter from the cold night air. Some place where she could lay her head, where she could give her babe a quiet bed. Was there no room, no corner there? Was there the sun a spot someone could spare? In all the town, to their aid, a stable bed was where the family stayed. Do you have room for the Savior? Do you seek Him anew? Have you a place for the one who lived and died for you? Are you as humble as a shepherd boy or as wise as men of old? Would you have come that night? Would you have sought the light? Do you have room? A star arose, a wondrous light, a sign from God this was the holy night. And yet so few would go to see the babe that came to rescue you and me. This child divine is now a king, the gift of life to all the world he brings. And all mankind he saves from doom, but on that night for him there was no room. Do you have room for the Savior, and do you seek Him anew? Have you a place for the one who lived and died for you? Are you as humble as a shepherd boy, or as wise as man of would you have come that night? Would you have sought the light? Do you have room? Will you come tonight? Will you seek the At the end of time, when the world has turned against God's people, God manifests his power for the deliverance of his people. 
The sun appears, shining in its strength. Signs and wonders follow in quick succession. The wicked look with terror and amazement upon the scene, while the righteous behold with solemn joy the tokens of their deliverance. Everything in nature seems turned out of its course. In the midst of the angry heavens is one clear space of indescribable glory. Whence comes the voice of God like the sound of many waters, saying, It is done. That voice shakes the heavens and the earth. The whole earth heaves and swells like the waves of the sea. Its surface is breaking up. Its very foundations seem to be giving way. God's people, who have been held in bondage for their faith, are set free. Graves are opened. All who have died in the faith of the third angel's message come forth from the tomb, glorified to hear God's covenant of peace with those who have kept his law. Soon there appears in the east a small black cloud, about half the size of a man's hand. The people of God know this to be the sign of the Son of Man. In solemn silence they gaze upon it as it draws near the earth becoming lighter and more glorious until it is a great white cloud, its base a glory like consuming fire, and above it the rainbow of the covenant. Jesus rides forth as a mighty conqueror. He comes, victor in heaven and earth, to judge the living and the dead. With anthems, With anthems of celestial melody, the holy angels, a vast unnumbered throng, attend him on his way. The firmament seems filled with radiant forms, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. The voice of the Son of God calls forth from the sleeping saints, Awake, 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 you that sleep in the dust and arise. The dead shall hear that voice, and they that hear shall live. They come clothed with immortal glory, crying, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The living righteous and the risen saints unite their voices in a long glad shout of victory. The living righteous are changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Little children are born by holy angels to their mother's arms. Friends, long separated by death, are united, never more to part, and with songs of gladness, all ascend together to the city of God. Before entering the city of God, Jesus, with his own right hand, places the crown of glory upon the heads of the overcomers. For each there is a crown bearing his own new name and the inscription, Holiness to the Lord. Before the ransom throng is the holy city, Jesus opens wide the pearly gates and the nations that have kept the truth enter in with un unutterable love. Jesus welcomes his faithful ones to the joy of the Lord. The days of pain and weeping are forever ended. The King of glory has wiped the tears from all faces. Every cause of grief has been removed. Amid the waving palm branches they pour forth a song of praise, clear, sweet, and harmonious. Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the inhabitants of heaven respond with the ascription, Amen, blessings and glory, and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever.
As we sing the Hallelujah Chorus, would you please rise with me? Let's all sing together. We may end up starting this over. We don't have a connection to the soundboard. Can we go back to the beginning? Thanks. All right, let's go. Turn it way up.
now after that, if you can collect your emotions, I invite you to join me for a benediction. Now may you go from this time of worship, 